The Phoenix Suns coughed up a lead at home to a young San Antonio Spurs squad that shocked them in a loss. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll make sense of whatever happened at the end of that game, talk about the growing pains we're seeing, and more. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. A lot of rough losses in the Valley, but I'm glad you're here. Hit follow, hit subscribe. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. Just hit that button, get a show in your feed every Monday through Friday, become an everydayer, and get locked onto the Phoenix Suns right along with me, Monday through Friday, through the entire season, even after losses like this one. The final score is 115-114. to 114. We have a lot to dive into from this game. Anytime there is a narrow, shocking loss, that leaves us a lot to talk about, so we will do that. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Moment of the game from the Suns 115-114 loss to the San Antonio Spurs on Tuesday night. That is where we always start. We'll do the same tonight. And I, I try to not focus at the very end of these games. I promise you I try. Uh, But in this case, we once again have to focus on the end. I'll have two moments, though, because I think the end of the third quarter was pretty interesting as well. But really, the moment of this game is when Victor Wimbanyama checked in at the 2 minute and 24 second mark of the game. He didn't make a huge impact, I, I guess, for the minute and a half after that, but what happened is that forced the Suns to basically go small. They got a foul on Yusuf Nurkic. Trey Jones went to the free throw line. Durant had an incredible ankle-breaking drive against Keldon Johnson. And then I believe the Spurs called a timeout at about 50 seconds. Yudawat Nabe checks into the game for Nurkic, and Sohan had already entered the game for Zach Collins. So what that left is the Suns and the Spurs both playing small. Wembenyama playing center, Durant playing center. The inbounds play after that timeout. Not a lot of time left on the clock, and Wembenyama catches and lets it fly, cannot contest that shot, decisive, smooth, and it goes in. The Spurs are now down only three points. That dunk by Durant off the ankle breaker put them up five with a minute left. That one Minyama jumper puts them down two. The Suns get an open corner three for Yuta, misses, 
Devin Vassell misses a three, but at that time, because the Suns are playing so small, Durant and Akogi both are unable to pursue the rebound or get a body onto Victor, who then put back, dunk, cuts the lead to one. The Suns then inbound the ball, and this is the part that got maybe even more attention than anything else. They get the ball to Durant in the right along the right sideline, the basically the opposite sideline from where they were inbounding. And Okogie throws the ball. They successfully get the ball inbounded. Great, check that box. But then, um, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? I don't think that. It was as egregious as some people seem to. I'll start there. You know, you can freeze frame things any which way on any NBA play. And for the most part, you can probably find some contact. You know, I personally have a little bit of a pet peeve with in made baskets, how the whistle always comes after the make, right? Or I'm sorry, after the miss or the make, and often when it isn't made, you're more likely to get the whistle. Whatever. That's a, a pet peeve of mine, so I'm just saying I get it. I I understand the urge to be frustrated, and, and it is frustrating, but let me tell you what I was bothered by about the way the refs called that, even if I don't necessarily feel like it was a an overt, obvious, like violent foul like I've seen some people online. I think Trey Jones is just smaller than Kevin Durant. So he bumps up against him. It's going to look incredibly aggressive. But at the end of the day, it's a dude that's like 5'11 against a dude who's like 6'11. So whatever. I don't think Keldon Johnson fouled him. Really, uh, that, that bothered me less. So great. We can argue about that. What I think is the most annoying part about that play is that... The refs, I actually think that was the Spurs trying to foul Kevin Durant, is what I would say. And so that's probably the the main reason you would want the call to come, is because 99% of the time, and Frank Vogel said this, Grayson Allen said this post-game, Kevin Durant said this post-game when I was covering the game, that you just, it's it's just habit, it's muscle memory. In those situations, the defensive team fouls the player who receives the pass on the inbound. And so it's just the rhythms of of an NBA game at that point. It was almost like the refs decided to have sort of a new baseline of contact that's necessary in order to call it. When most of the time, it's symbolic. It's just the gesture. I'm going to grab this player, I'm going to kind of smack at them, I'm going to, whatever, bear hug them, and then the refs will get what I'm trying to do, they'll catch my drift, and they'll call it. I think what San Antonio did, what Trey Jones and Keldon Johnson did in that moment, was well within the range of what counts as that. Um, 
But of course, look, I think it's obvious to say that the Suns should not have been in this situation with a worse team, a lesser team. You had even at the end of the game an opportunity for Durant to make that fall away baseline jumper and and still win it. You had the Yuta three from the corner that didn't go in at the 28 second mark following Victor's jumper. And of course, you had a 63 to 45 lead at halftime. This is not a game that should have come down to a, an inbounds foul, right? Um, and so that brings us to the main takeaway of the game, as well as our second moment of the game, which we'll get to as we keep rolling on our recap show here on Tuesday night. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 right into your account if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on that action. Let's see. Do we have game five World Series money line odds? I think we do. I'm not sure who wants that. Uh, minus 116. The D-backs are favored, it appears, somehow. I guess that is what happens when you're at home, but that worries me. Uh, we have uh, NFL odds on the Cardinals and more, all at FanDuel. Spreads player props over-unders, as well as those money line bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, main takeaway from this game. This is frustrating. And I don't mean tonight's loss. I mean the growing pains. I mean the early season struggles that we have seen, even though the team has been winning. And until tonight, they've been competitive in the games they should have won the games that they should have and and it's been a, a solid start to the season this is only the fir- this is the first real letdown we've seen this team experience and yet the frustration is obvious right um so let me go through the other moment that I wanted to highlight and then I can elaborate on the frustration aspect of this whole thing the other moment is at the end of the third quarter you had Kevin Durant take over, frankly. Um, A lineup with Durant orchestrating, and they were out in transition quite a bit. You had some weird turnovers and a back-and-forth game. You had a a Kevin Durant over-and-back turnover and uh, Eric Gordon on an outlet pass, and I'll get to some of those things. But then at the end of the quarter... They just lock in. You have uh, Grayson Allen three assisted by Durant. You have a Durant three assisted by Yuta. And then in particular, the last few buckets of the quarter were just Durant finally getting the transition stuff to work and trusting Yuta Watanabe. Now, this is when San Antonio's run started, basically. They cut the lead to nine points at 241. And that's basically where this thing changed. Yuta made a three at the two and a half minute mark. Then he made a three at the 153 mark. And then you had uh, Durant get to the free throw line. And suddenly the Suns are back up 16. Okay. And I think that speaks to 
when things are clicking, you could obviously point to the Jazz game on Saturday. When things have clicked for this team, uh, it's been great, and there's a lot to feel good about. And tonight, even 29 assists in this game, you know they they feel more comfortable and confident with their spacing and and ball movement and sort of rules when Durant is in some of those isolation situations. They've been more purposeful turning defense into offense like there are things trending in the right direction I think that third quarter shows that but back to the big takeaway from this game about how frustrating it clearly is I don't I think it can be frustrating and visibly frustrating and still not be an emergency or some sort of big negative it just is clearly wearing on these guys you had Durant um, after a turnover no sorry after a Early clock missed three by Yusuf Nurkic in the fourth quarter. You had Durant sort of chewing him out a little bit about, you know, got to take better shots than that. He had made two. It was a little bit of a heat check three for Nurkic, which, you know, take it or leave it, but that's not the best shot you're going to get most times down the court if you're the Suns, even without Booker and Beal healthy. You had that outlet pass turnover from Gordon that I talked about where the game was just kind of chaotic and San Antonio was coming back a little bit. Durant got frustrated then. There were uh, the at least one of the threes that Devin Vassell hit in that second half. I know Durant got a little bothered by. You had a possession where Nasir Little made a, a mistake and you could see Durant be a little bit frustrated and I would even say the emphasis on sort of picking Josh Okogie up not physically but emotionally leadership wise shows the sort of urgency that the Suns are operating with and again maybe urgency is even a better word for it than frustration but it's not it's not easy right now with these two stars out. And I would say more so than me just trying to, you know, read the body language or look too far into one particular player's leadership style with Duran or one moment where a mistake bothered somebody. The real reason it matters the real reason it's a takeaway for me, rather than just an interesting sort of, okay, wow, those guys kind of went at it, is it's holding this team back from developing chemistry and role clarity and guys to step up in the exact ways that they're going to need to step up. A lot of that's not possible right now because everybody's having to do way more than they normally would. You know, Josh Okogie is incredibly involved in the offense right now, for better and and for worse. And Yusuf Nurkic, I just said he took a heat check in this game. That's not what you necessarily want. He took five threes in this game, right? You have guys like Jordan Goodwin, where I'm still not positive if he will play in the ultimate version of this team. And you can point to things he's doing well and feel good, but also is are those things even what he's going to be asked to do? In the healthy version of this rotation, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, um, somebody like Nasir Little, I think, is showing the warts and 
the why it is so hard and so uh, impressive when guys are able to adjust to playing on a winning team. Every rotation defensively, every breakdown, every decision on offense, all of those things are under magnifying glass, not just because your team gets more attention, but because you also are trying to win. Whereas in Portland, Nasir Little was not necessarily doing that. In Washington, Jordan Goodwin was not tasked with winning games for his team. And now they are because they're in not only the rotation, but the nine-man rotation playing considerable minutes for this team. And so I think it's naturally it would be frustrating, you know? I think, like, Eric Gordon and Yuta and Durant might be the only guys who are playing the exact version of the role that they're going to play at the best version of this team. So that's the part of it that maybe looking forward is more relevant when it comes to the frustration or the urgency we're seeing from this team is guys just aren't settled. And it's understandable that that would be frustrating. On the topic of Little, let's close out with two recurring recap segments, starting with our young forward breakout watch next. First, today's show brought to you by our loving sponsors. Closing out the show, let's dive in to the young forward rotation. And I believe I've jumped around on what this is going to be. That's what I'm going to call it. And that will allow us to talk about Josh Okogie, Nasir Little, Kata Bates-Diop, and Chemezi Metu, who I think all have some potential to join this rotation throughout the year and potentially solidify a, a playoff rotation spot when we're talking about that in five, six months. Tonight, I would say Little was the guy who caught my attention the most and not for good reasons. I think that Nasir Little right now is largely a negative player for this team. And I think as much as we can feel good that he is ahead of Keita Bates-Diop in the pecking order, that doesn't necessarily mean that Little has been a positive in and of himself. Okay, so to be more specific, and I, I don't want to just criticize a player just to criticize a player, Defensively, he continues when he's guarding off the ball to lose his man, to lose track of where his body needs to be and how he fits into what the what his teammates are doing on that end of the floor. I think that there are times when he can make plays because he's just so damn athletic and long that you did see him get a, a steal in this game off of a rotation where he... He broke away from the person he had been guarding, hands up, and recovered back to where he needed to be. And the pass hit him in the arms because he just takes up space. But more often than not, in those moments where the offense challenges him to read a pass, read a series of actions he gets lost. He he gets back cut. He goes in one direction, but the pass is going the other direction, and then there's an open shooter. 
that happens a lot. Tonight, obviously, when Durant was off the court, Little was the guy guarding Wembenyama, and that's a lot of where his five fouls came from. That's frustrating in its own way. That speaks to the problems in, that I referenced in the last segment where people are doing things they normally wouldn't. I don't know if ideally you're having Little do that. Maybe it sort of has to be him. I don't know. Point is, I'm not going to hold that against him, but it's still a factor that he didn't necessarily do great in that matchup. Offensively, anytime that Nasir Little is doing anything besides shooting a spot-up three, it tends to go badly right now. He tends to settle for pull-up jumpers, mid-range jumpers. That's just not his shot. He's still developing as a three-point shooter. Even that is inconsistent, let alone a pull-up two off the bounce with the hand in his face. That's not a good decision, but he obviously doesn't trust his handle. He doesn't trust his finishing. And so if he has to um, attack a closeout and keep a possession alive, he's just going to rise up for a jumper. What I think you want to see him do is turn that into the right pass. What's the next pass? Where does the ball need to go next? Not straight to the basket, not barrel into the defense, but two dribbles and a good decision, right? Beat, you know, dribble past the guy closing out on you and then find who's open. It doesn't have to be some nifty thing. It can just be the next shooter. Keep it, you know, uh, like it's a after the defense in baseball turns to around the horn, right? Just, just keep it natural. And I think he could come a long way, but the, the, the reality is right now he's not there and he's a negative player. And so if we're looking at the young forward breakout stuff, I think it might be time to look at somebody else for a try because at the beginning of the season, a week ago, when Booker was healthy, to be specific, Little was also not in this rotation. And now he's earned minutes and done decently at times, had some flashes and everything. He is making his shots for the most part. Um, now he's here. But if Booker and Beal are going to continue to be out, then I think you have to be realistic and revolve through some different options. You know, see if Metu can do something. See if Bates Diop maybe can do something. And if those guys hit, then you're just adding rotation options. You're developing an understanding of your team earlier in the year in a way that these guys being out is making harder, but that doesn't mean you can't still try. And so that's what I would be trying to do. That's that. Lastly, box score oddity. There's a few. It really just revolves around the possession game, and in particular, the fact that the Suns lost a lot of the categories that you would think a young team would almost always lose. And in this case, the Suns are the older team, more experienced, whatever, and they lost these categories. They're not anything groundbreaking, but the Suns turned the ball over 19 times. San Antonio only turned it over 12 times. The Suns uh, got to the free throw line 15 times. The Spurs got to the free throw line 20 times. Kevin Durant postgame talked about a lot of the way that they got back into the game was making threes, which that's not a young or an old team thing, but 
it's still relevant here that the Spurs got up about as many threes as the Suns made about as many. So they were even there. And the zone defense was the other thing that Durant mentioned. There's no stat for that, but when Benyama, especially when he's in the in the game, like he allows them, I posted this on Twitter, like he allows them to basically play a two three zone and a three two zone at the same time. It's pretty cool, honestly, if you're not, I guess, losing to the team that's doing it. But it it's interesting because they basically have the other four guys in the slot and Wembenyama just kind of uh, yo-yoing up and down the paint to take up space. And because he's so mobile and long and tall, he can really be at the top of the key and at the rim at the same time. And so that's impressive and interesting, but obviously his own in general just slows things down. And that was Durant's point. So those are the ways that they got back in it. The Suns did not have the possession game advantage that they typically have, and that's just going to be an indicator for this team all year. If the Suns, obviously there's going to be games when the other star scorers come back where this team just scores 140 and it's not close, but I would say a lot of nights the indicators for the Suns with a defense that's not probably ever going to be elite are going to be can they rebound can they limit their turnovers? Can they win the three-point battle? Can they win the points in the paint battle? Can they get to the free throw line? They're not going to do all of that every night, but if they're checking the majority of those boxes, odds are they're going to win. Tonight they didn't, and they lost. We get the rematch of this on Thursday, which I'm very much looking forward to. We'll have Aaron Edwards tomorrow, so hit follow Hit subscribe. The big announcement on new Locked on Suns content is coming in that episode tomorrow with Aaron. So be sure to check that out as well. Hit follow, hit subscribe wherever you're finding the show so I can see you for the next one. And I will catch you guys tomorrow.